the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Uh, today, I want us to jump right into the lesson I have. I title it, I've Got My Rights and I'm Going to Hold On to Them. And that's, uh, we're going to be taking this from Mark 10, 35 to 45, and we'll look at that passage in just a moment. But first, I'm going to read from an ancient document. And when I'm finished, I want you to, to try to figure out what these words are from. Um, let's let's just go ahead and get it started. Here it is. Quote, When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which we have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of, and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, do you know what those words or where those words come from? Hopefully you do. But if you don't, there are the opening words to the Declaration of Independence. If you said the Constitution, wrong. <laughs> Sorry, it's the Declaration of Independence. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but the words rights, well, you obviously didn't notice, but if you saw it written down on paper, the word rights, as in unalienable rights, began with the capital letter R. In the fact that this word was capitalized, indicates that our nation's founders regarded this declaration of our rights to be highly important, so they capitalized it. The United States of America is a nation of rights. In fact, our nation's founders saw fit to include an additional document to the Constitution called the Bill of Rights, and it, and it listed ten amendments declaring the rights of individuals and states in our nation. These rights are, theoretically, rights that neither the president, nor the Congress, nor court, nor lawyers can take away from us. Among those rights listed in the Bill of Rights are the rights to freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and so on. And so this nation is a nation of rights. That's how we were founded. And we should thank God every day that we were blessed by being born into a nation like this one. 
But as much a blessing it is to live in a nation where our rights are protected, there can be a problem if your, if your rights conflict with my rights or vice versa. And when your rights and my rights clash, guess what? we got a problem. And when that happens, it often leads to lawsuits, church splits, family divisions, things like that. And we have a case study of that kind of conflict right here in the book of Mark. Let's look at Mark 10, starting in verse 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We are able. And Jesus said then, to, uh, said to them, The cup that I drink, you shall drink, and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared." Hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. The ten of the total twelve there. So what's the problem here? Why are the other disciples indignant at James and John? Well, all the disciples believed Jesus was about to set up an earthly kingdom, and of course, as king, he would appoint people to serve as officials. They all presumed that important task, that that important task would fall to them as his close and trusted followers, right? Those who would sit at his right and left hand uh, seats were special positions of power and authority. And only the most trusted, the most important of those officials would be given that honor. And the reason the other disciples became indignant is twofold. Number one, they were annoyed. James and John thought about it before they did. Probably, And number two, they felt that they had as much right to sit at the left and right hand seats as James and John did. So in short, they all believed they had a right to a position of power and influence. Perhaps maybe even more. Who knows? All right. This kind of mindset is fairly normal for most folks. At one point or another in our lives... We all want to have our way on something. We have a right to be listened to. We have a right to have things go as we think they ought to go. After all, if I think it's right, it is right. I would not think it was right if it wasn't right. <laughs> and if people ignore me, or if they don't listen to me, and if things don't work as I want them to, I can become annoyed, indignant. And you wouldn't like to be around me when I'm that way. When I uh, helped restart the Rocky Mountain Christian newspaper, I was in charge of sending out mailers and forming congregations and people all over the country that the Rocky Mountain Christian was returning. Maybe you remember that mailing and, and, and what not going on. I talked about it on the radio program. 
Um, I had a contact at the USPS who was helping me get everything I needed in order. I had already sent out one mailing with him, but the second mailing, I had to work with someone different. My guy was on vacation. I took it down to the main uh, post office. I ran into one of the rudest employees I ever met. She was abrupt. She was uh, um, difficult to deal with. In addition, she imposed all kinds of rules and regulations on how to prepare the mailings that I didn't have to do before. And it became obvious to me that she was deliberately being difficult, and it upset me. In my mind, she had no right to do that to me. I had a right to mail out these letters just like I did before. And I found my blood pressure rising. I was tempted to go above her and talk to her supervisor. And I'll tell you what I actually did a little later. But the point is, she had violated my rights and I wasn't going to stand for it in my mind. Now in our passage today, Jesus is saying, don't be that way. Don't do that. We may have the privilege of being citizens of the United States of America with all the enumerated rights listed in the Constitution and Bill of Rights, but we actually have a higher citizenship. The kingdom of God, and in, and in God's kingdom, the rules were, that we were to follow are different for us than they are for others. As Christians... There are three principles I find in Scripture that should guide our thinking when we get upset that our rights have been violated. Number one, we need to ask ourselves when we're faced with difficult situations where we feel misused, who is it that ministers to us? In my story, I had a right for that post office official to minister to my needs, right? That's what she was being paid for, and she wasn't doing that. She wasn't meeting my needs, my rights. So I felt violated. How dare she be so difficult? And that's where we get it wrong. When we get to thinking that the government, the business we shop at, the family member, the people at the workplace, the people at worship services should minister to us, should do that, when we start feeling entitled to have our rights respected in those settings, well, we're going to eventually have conflicts. Because even if those authorities have it in their job descriptions that they're supposed to treat us a specific way, there aren't, they're not always going to do that, are they? We know that. And so, you're always going to end up being disappointed. The Declaration of Independence actually gets it right. It doesn't say that our rights come from government or any other earthly power. It comes from our creator. It says all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And when we forget that as Christians, our only rights come to us from our creator. When we forget that, we will inevitably get into struggles. Inevitably. In fact, when we place our hope in earthly powers, we're always going to struggle. Romans, the book of Romans tells us that when things don't go our way, we need to, look at Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, we need to, not, uh, and not only this, he says, 
but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. When things don't go our way, we should be glad. We should rejoice, right? I should glory in my tribulations. Hmm. Because if I hope in God, I will not be disappointed. As long as I'm willing to look to God for whatever rights I may have. Because God will supply for my needs in his way and in his time. And in the meantime, my troubles produce perseverance. My perseverance will produce character. And this strong character gives me hope. Is it easy to be hopeful or, or glad in situations? Probably not. We're, we're angry. But hopefully we'll, can, we'll, we'll remember or bring to mind what this will do for us in the long term if we hold fast to things of God. But if I place my hope in earthly powers, I will eventually be disappointed. James puts it like this in James 4 verses 1 and 2. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Now, who is it I'm supposed to ask for stuff from? God. In other words, it is God we should be looking to to minister to us. That's what he promised he'd do. And he's not going to like give us stuff stuff, but he's going to give us the knowledge we need. Guess what that knowledge is? It's his word, hopefully sitting in your lap that you read it daily. Number two thing, when we are faced with difficult, uh, difficult situations, we need to ask ourselves not only who ministers to us, the answer should be God, but we should also ask, who am I ministering to? Who am I ministering to? In my illustration about the post office worker, I forgot to ask myself if I was ministering to her. And really, I was. Whether it was in the negative or the positive, whatever I did, said, or, or whatnot, I was ministering to her, whether it, it was whether it was a good way or a bad way. And there, there was a reason she was behaving the way she was. Maybe another so-called Christian in town had made her life rough. Or maybe she'd been had a bad experience with a congregation she'd been going to. And now maybe she was taking it out on me, knowing I was part of some Christian group because of the Rocky Mountain Christian newspaper. But if I had responded to her by treating her like my servant, I would be just... I would just be making matters worse, right? I think so. I'd just be reinforcing, perhaps, the image she had about preachers or churches. So how should I have treated her? Well, Jesus tells us in Mark 10, 42-44, calling them to himself. This is the, the ten indignant about James and John. Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. 
If I think like the Gentiles, I will expect others to serve me, right? If they don't jump through my hoops and satisfy my needs, then I'm going to be upset. I'm going to declare war. But Jesus says, don't be like that. Okay? He says, if I'm your king and master, then there is one principal rule in my kingdom. If you want to be great in my kingdom, then you need to be a servant. You must find ways to minister to others, to serve others. So this woman at the post office, she's got me upset. She has been difficult, unhelpful. So am I supposed to serve her? Years ago, I listened to a wise preacher who encountered a difficult person in his ministry. So he made that person his project. I decided to make her my project. I did everything she asked me to do without complaining. And I'll admit, that was difficult for me to do, but I did. Every day when I went to the post office, I would ask her how her day was. I listened to her tell me about it. I'd compliment her on how she looked. I told her I appreciated her help. I gave her the broadest smile, and I did everything I could to make her feel that she was the most important person I saw that day. And do you know what happened? She began to light up like a ray of sunshine every time I came in. The burdensome rules and regulations, they all began to melt away. And do you know why? She did that because I obeyed Jesus and became that person's servant. Now, I'd like to say that I always get this right. But I don't. I still mess up and forget to be a servant of others. But when I remember, I'm a much better follower of Christ when I can keep that in mind. And and I've been doing much better at it. Even my wife, Jenny, recognizes this now. When I can, waiting in line to to, to take an order at, you know, some restaurant. If I can see the the waitress or the hostess or the person behind the counter, you know, the way they're treating other people, they're, they're agitated or irritated or whatnot... I try to think of a way to make them smile, tell them a joke, and I be as kind and as patient as I can be. And and when I see they're frustrated, I say, man, don't worry, take your time. I'm in no hurry. And I want to make it easier on them. Why? I am their servant. Yeah, are they there to serve me in that capacity? Sure they are. But I want them to know that I'm also their servant. And I'm willing to give them the time they need and whatever it takes to serve them. To bring a bit of joy of life back into their day. Number three. When we encounter difficult situations in this world, we should not only ask who ministers to us and who we minister to, but we should also ask, who is our master? I once read a story of a woman who married a man who'd been a flight engineer in the Air Force for 16 years. As newlyweds, they made plans to spend the weekend with her parents. But on that Friday, her husband's squadron called and told him that he had to pack his flight bag and leave the next afternoon for an eight-day mission. Understandably, she was upset. She said, don't you get weekends off like normal people? He replied that, no, as a member of the Air Force, I'm 
on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. She looked up at him pleadingly and then said, But honey, can't you just explain to them that we had plans? (laughs) Could he tell the Air Force he had plans? No. And why not? Because they owned him. They didn't ask him to do things. They ordered him to do them. As the old saying goes, when the Air Force asked him to jump, he asked how high on the way up. The Air Force was the master. In the same way, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, You are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Now, Jesus is not like an earthly king who makes decrees and presumes that you'll carry them out simply because he told you to. Unlike an earthly king, Jesus asks this of us because he has already done such things himself. He told his disciples, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark ten forty-five. Over in, you know, actually, let me let me turn over to Philippians in my Bible. I want to read this passage to you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what about Jesus? Well, he was God. But he stripped himself of his godhood so he could come down to earth in the form of a man and allow himself to be mistreated and killed for our sins. Man, that's a good example, right? A few years back... Time Magazine had an article about a lawyer from Kenya named Dola Inditas. I'm I'm not sure I'm saying that last name right. He had approached the ICJ, the International Court of Justice at The Hague, asking them to overturn a conviction and death sentence from 2,000 years ago. Want to guess whose conviction he was seeking to overturn? Christ's conviction. The targets of the lawsuit were the religious leaders of the time, Emperor Tiberius, King Herod Pontius Pilate, and the chief priest. The lawyer said, I filed the case because it's my duty to uphold the dignity of Jesus, and I have gone to the ICJ to seek justice for the man from Nazareth. His selective and malicious prosecution violated his human rights through judicial misconduct, abuse of office, bias, and prejudice. End quote. Now think about that. If this lawyer had been alive in the days of Jesus, and he had been uh, as effective as many lawyers in our days are, he might have just gotten Jesus off. He might just have spared Jesus his death sentence. I mean, this lawyer was right. Jesus' human rights had been violated. The trials and convictions were inappropriate and highly illegal, even by the standards of that day. But would that have been a good thing? Would it have been a good thing for this lawyer to have gotten Jesus off? No. Mark ten forty five. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, 
And he came to give his life a ransom for many. If Jesus had demanded his rights back then, he didn't need a lawyer to get it done, first off. When Peter drew his sword to prevent Jesus from being arrested, Jesus said, there in Matthew 26, put your sword back into its place. Do you think I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Had Jesus called upon the powers of heaven, no kingdom on the face of this earth would have had power to crucify him. He'd have mopped the floor with them, but if he'd done that, you and I, we would still be in our sins. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. In other words, if you got what you deserved, if you'd have gotten what you had a right to have, you would not have had a chance to go to heaven. You wouldn't have had the right to be accepted by God. If you have gotten what you deserved, you'd get death. You'd get hell. But it is because Jesus went to the cross and had his rights violated that you and I have now been given a right we did not deserve. We've been given the free gift of eternal life through the blood of Christ. All Jesus is asking in return is that we remember that. When you and I were saved, baptized into Christ, raised up in that new life, we were not saved so that we could demand our rights. We were saved so that we could serve others who don't deserve that, just as we didn't deserve it when Jesus served us and gave his life a ransom for ours. Thank you for listening with me today. I hope your day goes very well and that you keep this in mind about your rights and that we always try to spread the kind of joy and love that the Lord has given us in him. You know, whenever I think about this lesson and think about this topic, I think about this gentleman I ran into at the Serious Texas Barbecue in Durango, Colorado. Myself and Guy Orbison Jr. were walking into the establishment, and this older fellow and his wife were walking out, and I just simply said, How you doing? And he, did, and he stopped and he said, I'm doing great. And he looked up in the sky and he said, What a wonderful day it is. It's a great day. And I just responded back with a smile, Yes, it is. And Guy and I talked about how that fella has a genuine joy for life. And he really put a smile on our face because of his good, positive attitude. Let's have that kind of attitude. Be content with what the Lord has given you, what you have on this earth. And let us bring joy to people all around us. And we can only do that if we don't demand our rights. That when they're in a bad mood, we do what we can to bring a little joy to their life. Redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity. Thank you. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.